This is the motherfucking Blunt Doctor Show on a motherfucking Wednesday as it motherfucking always should goddamn be. Welcome the fuck back. I had to take myself a little hiatus because life exists and it was summer and I was bored and I don't want to sit here and talk about baseball all day, but we are fucking back and it is exciting and I am ready to fucking do this thing. And when we go on a hiatus of any sort, be it summer baseball or me being crazy, whatever it may be, there is only one man that we can return from hiatus with to attack with hot takes, and that is B from Overtime TBD, who will be joining us shortly. We know that B is the man. We love having him around. I'm excited to talk to him. We covered basically everything that happened in week one, what we expect in week two. It's exciting stuff. Before we dive in there, I just want to say a couple things, because as we know, I've got to start out on the political speech nonsense, because I'm on that. Before that, I just want to say one thing, though. This is episode 99. And my next episode will be my 100th. This will be, I believe, the third season, really, that I'm doing this at this point. You could split it up into, at one point, I kind of rebooted, did something else, whatever. But it's essentially the third season I've covered. I started December a couple years ago. This will be like the third football season I've been in this iteration of my show. Well over 100 hours of ridiculousness at this point. I just want to say to anyone who is continuing to listen, who has, you know, come back after hiatuses, whether we're hiatuses, hiatus. Hmm, hiatus hmm, this is a new, I don't know, <laughs> someone tell me what, it, what the right word is, but the point is, there are many people, whether we're, you know, close friends or acquaintances, whatnot, who have come back and listened to the show after I take these hiatuses, <laughs> I didn't, after I take a hiatus, it, you can see how little I planned the show, okay, after I take a break. People come to me and they, you know, they're like, hey, good to see you again. I, you know, I like this in the show, blah, blah. And I appreciate those things. Like, I make jokes a lot about, like, both my listeners. And, you know, it's not a huge group. But I do have people who listen to this podcast who do come back every time, who keep telling me they appreciate it. And I want you to know that I appreciate you. Because the only reason that I'm at 100 episodes or about to be at 100 episodes is because there have been a lot of people who have given me props along the way, who have said, I appreciated that you said this, who reached out to me and said, this is something you said on your latest show that, you know, mattered to me. And that is something that, that stuff matters to me. You know, I don't do this show for any reason other than I feel the need to do it. I feel the need to be creative. I feel the need to share my thoughts. I want my son to be able to go back and listen to you know, the things that, um, you know, I said one day and see that I was at least on some things on the right side of history, maybe on others I'm wrong, you know, not politics, but you know, just in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm sure I've made mistakes in my life and I'm sure I've done and said things that were stupid. And I'm sure that, you know, I, I, I am a flawed person. There's no question about that. And I'm sure there's plenty of things that I've done that are fucking dumb that people will, you know, one day drag me for or whatever. But, you know, I like the ability that I have here to say some things that I know are true about, you know, the world at large and how we can help each other. And I appreciate that there are people out there who want to hear that, who do come back to listen to me talk about these things, even if I'm a little bit spacey um, and, you know, take breaks and don't talk about them and just do them. But, you know, hey, that's the thing is I've never, you know, tried to monetize this podcast. I've never tried to make it about anything other than, saying what I think and hoping that people wanted to hear some of that. And I appreciate those of you who do. And we're back. And I'm going to tell you what, this season, this year, this version, whatever you want to call it, 
We're going to be hyped. We're going to be doing a lot of stuff. I'm going to be doing a lot more episodes. I'm going to be on it a lot more. I've got I've got my schedule worked finally to where I can really bring it to this podcast like I want to, and I'm excited to do so. Um, episode 100 is going to be special. Um, I've got a lot planned for it. Um, it's going to be different. It's not going to be what anyone... I don't, I don't think it's what anyone expects from this podcast. Um, it's just going to be a really different thing. Um, and I hope that everyone enjoys it. Um, I've had a lot of plans. There was at one part, there was at one point going to be encompassing episode 99 and 100, but I decided I wanted episode 99 to be like the first 98 episodes. I wanted it to be part of the, 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 you know, the podcast history I've done. And then episode 100 will be itself. Now I may break episode up 100 up into multiple pieces. I'm not going to cut out any time. I just, I decided that Episode 100 is going to be its special own thing. I wanted it to be one thing, and it's going to be, again, it may be done in pieces, sections, you'll see. I'm not going to talk about what the subject matter is. Um, It's special to me, but um, the point is that I'm doing something a little different from that. Um, you know, B's going to return several times this season. We'll be doing, you know, regular shows. I'm going to try to get a more regular format going multiple times a week, like I've said, but I just want to let anyone listening know that episode 100 is going to be something a little different. It's going to be a little special and I will appreciate anyone who's willing to take the time out for that because it's going to be something that I put a lot into it. Um, and it's just different. It's different from what I typically do. So, um, yeah. We will see how that goes, and I hope that people enjoy it. But that'll be coming out most likely next week. Um, But we all know me. Sometimes things get delayed. We'll see how it goes. But at the very least, I would expect part one to be out next week. Probably next Wednesday. On a Wednesday, as it is and it always should be. And let's talk now about this country. And... A lot of times I come in here and I talk about negativity and there's a lot of negative things to talk about. Seattle police officer talking about a young woman who was run over by a cop and laughing about her death. You know, a multitude of trans anti-trans laws passed all around the country. Um, You know, all kinds of horrible, you know, congressional districting maps, all these things. We talk about a lot of things that are really negative, but I want to talk about something positive this time. And that is that we have actually won. The game is actually over. We've actually won the war against these people. And we won that war in 2016 when they handed themselves over to Donald Trump. And here's what I mean by that. The Republicans have hitched their wagon to a man who quite literally is a narcissistic autocrat nut job. He literally is incapable of seeing reality. We all know this, but I don't think that people understand the gravity of the entire Republican Party system attaching themselves to it. See, the thing is, before Donald Trump, the obsession was with Ronald Reagan. And, you know, I'm a Reagan Republican, and Reagan did this. And basically, every single Republican lauded Ronald Reagan as this sort of demigod. It's very funny because, you know, Ronald Reagan's primary, you know, thing was battling Russia. And, you know, like people like my father grew up hating Russia, and now Donald Trump loves Russia and suddenly Russia's en vogue with these people who once loved Ronald Reagan. But the point is, the cult of worship of Ronald Reagan really happened happened long after he died. You know, Reagan's, you know, presidency, he basically was had Alzheimer's at the end. And, you know, it led to one term of Bush, who was then ousted by Clinton. And, you know, there was sort of a leftward swing in, in the 90s in the United States. But it's really it was leftward in terms of 
like I don't even know. Like looking back, it's like hard to say that Bill Clinton Bill Clinton was a Democrat, for example. Like it's it's one of those things that you kind of, you know, the country was in a very different place. And you know, the sort of obsession over Ronald Reagan was essentially, well, Reaganomics and lower taxes and trickle down theory, and it was just essentially about stealing from the poor. And you know, I mean, that's horribly evil, and it is the thing that has created the wealth gap in this country. Um, you know, the, the Reaganomics really did destroy the planet for good in terms of capitalism. Like when you wonder where did, you know, this sort of twist in capitalism where it became completely evil and it became all about, you know, the rich looting money from the poor, you need only look at Ronald Reagan. That is when it started. That is when, uh, essentially we started dropping every corporate tax rate. We started doing every single thing that we could to help companies and to help CEOs become rich. And they eliminated as many taxes as possible. It, it accelerated hugely under Reagan. And that has kind of been the Republican goal ever since Ronald Reagan for the last like, you know, 30, 40 years is let's just rob from the poor. And they were doing a phenomenally good job at it. And they were convincing poor people to still vote for them on these social issues. Hey, you know, the Democrats are going to make abortions legal and they're going to make your daughters get laid and have abortions and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, they were doing fine. Honestly, they were continuing to, you know, hold a lot of the Senate seats. They were, you know, um, doing well in national elections. You know, things were going good. But then they chose a new leader. They chose a new golden calf to worship in Donald Trump. And the thing is, Donald Trump doesn't have any sort of standard one-line thing that he sticks to that you can always sort of count on. With Reagan, it was always economics, right? Now, Reagan was a horrible racist who, you know, said, I don't need the black vote to win and all these horrible things. And, you know, Reagan was a horrible person. But the point is that his focus at all times was essentially economics. And everything that he did was, let's help rich people rob from the poor. And it was really easy to just frame that argument in a lot of different ways. Well, you know, I don't want a death tax and all these things, you know, all these different things that the Republicans are really good with the messaging. But when they handed it over to Donald Trump and his social media posts, they basically let go of the message and they gave it over to one man and they got rid of their focus groups and they got rid of their PR teams and they essentially let one man determine the message. And the message is whatever I think today. Whatever I think today is the entire message of the Republican Party, and it doesn't matter if it goes exactly to the opposite of what I said last week, last month, last year. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's the antithesis of every single thing I've ever believed in. That truly doesn't matter. What matters is that I said it today, and therefore it's true. And the problem with that is that it simply doesn't work. You may be able to get your cultists to storm the Capitol and do all these other things, but it doesn't work on real people. Go look at cross-sections of polls. Real people don't actually believe that trans people shouldn't have rights. But the loudest people on social media do, and so the Republicans kowtow to them. What happens? Republican judges strike down the laws. So many of these laws have been struck down by Republican judges who were appointed by Trump because they understand this game does not just tilt to your favor and you can do anything that you want anytime. Donald Trump does not understand that. And that's why he's headed to jail along with, you know, basically everyone that he works with. But they're not going to stop loving him then. It doesn't matter what he does. They'll never stop loving him. He will always be the leader of these people. And whenever, you know, he finally stops running for president or whatever he does and he chooses his one of his children or whatever, you know, those people will probably 
kowtow to that person until he says one thing that contradicts one thing that Trump said, and then they'll turn on that person too. But the point is, none of this is national. None of this is encompassing or uniting. This is how you lose. And they won't learn that lesson and they won't excise that from their party. And they're going to lose everything. The Republicans have won one national, uh, excuse me, one popular vote in the presidential election uh, since 1992. And that was in 2004 when George W. Bush had the post 9-11 vote and the whole country was united and we're going to kill these brown people and everyone was racist. And, you know, that was the one time that the Republicans won the popular vote. Ever since then, Bill Clinton won it. Al Gore won in in 2000. George W. Bush again won in 2004, but Barack Obama won it twice. And Hillary Clinton won it in 2016. Biden won in 2020. The, the country's moving left. It just is what it is. Republicans will probably never win the popular vote in a presidential election ever again. It will probably never happen until there is some sort of major reshaping of what their party is. There just aren't that many people that want to be gleefully hateful. And I understand that Trump got a lot of votes in the last national election. I understand that. I get that. Biden got more because way more people woke up who voted who may have otherwise not voted. As much as there is a disgusting portion of this country that will just always vote Republican no matter what, they've lost. The game is over. Yes, that's why they're doing things like expelling Democratic members in their state houses and all these things because the jig is up. People see what's going on. It's over for them. The information age has ushered in the truth of the fact that Republicans truly only steal money from the poor. And they do it through racism and they do it through transphobia and they do it through homophobia and they do all these horrible things which are all a means to an end to make themselves richer and make every person that they deem less than them, which is basically every person who's not a straight white Christian, They want all of those people to be poor and essentially enslaved to them. That is what they want, but they have lost that game because everyone sees now. Their cultists don't see, but you're never going to convince those people anyway. You can't convince the bottom third of something when they don't believe facts and reality. You can't convince those people and you should stop trying. What matters is the middle part of this country, the 40% of independent voters who actually change their minds each election or can change their minds each election. And those people are the ones that matter. And they are the ones that see, whoa, I've signed up for lower taxes, not racism. And the Republicans won't learn this lesson. They just won't learn this lesson because they believe wholeheartedly that the 2016 election was the only real election and that everything else is rigged and fake and there's a deep state and this, that, and the other. And I just want everyone to know it's over for them. They have lost. It's done. We have defeated them and they can see it coming and they can't stand it. And they're throwing tantrums and they're throwing anything at the wall and none of it sticks. And it's just over. Let's talk football. I think everyone would be disappointed if I did it. So... You have to do it. You, uh, you, know, I, you know. Finally, the B has come back to the Blunt Doctor Show. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, the Brad Andrew, representing Overtime TBD. Glad to be back here. It is a new NFL season. We're, what is it, week two? 
We're going into now? week two. Yeah, I pretty going much into week two. Yeah, I took this whole summer off because I was just between school and parenting and new job. I have been banging my head against the wall. But now that I finally have everything under control and have got it all figured out and we're back to a new season, I was like, it's time to hit it again. And of course, we know when there when it is time to go and dive into the new insanity, there's only one person I'm going to ask. Uh, and he said no, so I asked you to come on. So, uh, <laughs> so um, you got jokes, you got jokes. So, we all know the real ones who've been listening. We all know that I was his first option. There ain't no other option he can go to first, especially out of the blue. Just be like, hey, I need you this day. Are you good? And I was just like, you know what? Let's do it. I ain't got nothing better to do. Whether whether NBA or NFL, you're the number one option in the heart of the fans of this show, both of them. Exactly. So, <laughs> so we're in a new season. Did how did you feel about week one overall? It felt like a weird week to me, kind of. Like I know that week one is always weird. This one felt even weirder. I don't know why. Maybe just it no Tom was Brady. Trap week. It trap was trap week. And and no and no Tom Brady. I remember specifically calling out that the Browns were gonna beat the Bengals because I seen that stat that showed that they haven't won in Cincinnati, not Cincinnati, in Cleveland since was it like 2017 or something like that. So yeah, pre-Burrow, yeah, yeah. So it, it dates back further than Burrow. It might. Some people are telling me it might have something to do with the, you know, the road trip from in the state from was it Cincinnati to Cleveland. For some reason, you can even look at how the, the Bills played against the Jets. <laughs> it's but. such a cop out, man. <laughs> the the in-state road trip, we had to sit on a bus for 35 minutes. Do you understand how that affects our ability to scheme and offense? Listen, I watched that game. Let's just start there. I watched that whole game. And obviously, you know, I love Joe Burrow, like, like more than anything. And he was bad, you know, and I, he was bad. There's no way to he say He was it. bad with reason. Yeah, I mean the thing is, is like nothing, nothing that the Bengals did was good. It's not that Joe Burrow was bad and the rest of the Bengals. It wasn't like the Chiefs and Lions game where Pat Mahomes is literally putting the ball on a dime and every Chiefs receiver is dropping it. It's just it was just overall bad. But here's the thing: you're working in new offensive linemen. He missed part of training camp. They've kind Mm -hmm. of been bad early in every season. And Burrow hasn't, you know, like he had the the calf injury too. So it's like exactly. I feel like that also plays a factor because, like, one, it's it's damp outside, so you don't even have your footing. And two, I, like I said, the calf injury, so he probably is not able to scramble as confidently, if you know what I mean. And, I mean, they've just not been good early in seasons. Like, I, it's, it's been a thing with the Bengals the last couple of Well, they years never play in the preseason. Yeah, they, they never play in the preseason. This is their preseason. And so, it's, you know, it's one of those things that – I'll tell you what, though, the yeah. Browns defense looked damn good. Like that defense looked like oh yeah, a ferocious. Like uh, I obviously, I think Burrow could have played better, but you can't take away from what the the Browns was doing to Not that offensive front too. Like they they was all over the place. They ate and they, realistically, they've always had a good defense. Just. They can't stay on the they well not they can't stay on the field they can't stay off of the field that's true but I, I they were this game was they did everything right it was it was pretty phenomenal yeah. it was sixty minutes of execution from the Browns defense it was honestly impressive mm-hmm. and 
Deshaun didn't even side. play the best either. Like he he had moments, but like he still he still looked like a you know Deshaun was old pretty Deshaun horrible. instead of a Deshaun of old. Yeah, least. dude, he looked pretty horrible, man. That's what I was about to say. Like you that, seen he, that pick he threw to Dax Hill? Like he literally just threw it right at him. Like Dax yeah. didn't have to work for that. There were a couple, yeah, where he just completely misread the defense entirely, and then there were a couple where. The ball is literally five yards short. Looked like Peyton Manning in his last year when his arm was just dead. Like, I am, I, I, to me, dude, the Browns, the Deshaun Watson thing is officially a major concern. When it was one year, when it was, he was out for one year, pretty much anyone can come back from being out a year. It's hard, but eventually the muscle memory gets there. Two years, it starts to really be a thing. And I just, I don't really know. I don't, I don't know that he can. And then here's the thing like, who cares, right? Nobody's like, rooting for Deshaun Watson anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it's hard. To, like I'm not sitting here being like, man, I miss Deshaun Watson. He's no matter what, he's an asshole. He's a like, fiddler. Yeah. Like he's an asshole. No matter what, whether, no matter what, there's no, whether or not he was convicted, he's a dick. It's not, you know, yeah. and so it just, nobody's like rooting for him. So it's just a weird situation where they have this really expensive quarterback who is now bad, who no one cares about. It's just, and he got a fully guaranteed contract or almost fully guaranteed. Dude, they will probably one day, there will be a book at least written about that negotiation alone because the fact that he got that contract and, and quarterbacks have still not been able to get fully guaranteed contracts in the wake Mm -hmm. of it. Lamar hasn't been able to get one. Joe Burrow hasn't been able to get one. Joe, Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert's contract isn't even that good. Like in terms of guarantees. So it's like, I don't know, man, but I listen, I think that the Browns are in trouble of having a Super Bowl team be held back by their quarterback. And the thought that you would say that about Deshaun Watson, you know, a couple of years ago is ludicrous, but I don't know. I know they won this game, but like, I didn't see anything from Deshaun Watson that may be like, okay, yeah, it's Deshaun. It was again. pretty much Nick Chubb and company essentially. Yep. And as a Nick Chubb fantasy owner, I'm fine with that. Um, <laughs> dude, I played, I played, um, Brand, I had Brandon Ayuk on my bench this week. Oh, so yeah. So yeah, I, I just that shows I'm a fucking fantasy idiot. So it's it's fine. Uh, but I'm worried about the Browns officially. I'm not worried about the Bengals, which is funny to say considering that the Browns won, the Bengals didn't. But I just I I'm not I'm not concerned about it. Like I well, think the Bengals will be fine. Yeah. He always makes you believe that he everything's gonna be okay. I agree. Now, what what happens with you know T Higgins and Jamar Chase and the you know those contract situations that affects it? I'll I tell you what. said this on the recording that I did yesterday for overtime. Now I'll do it again, and I'll try and do it the exact same way I did. Uh, you'll for those who are listening, if you they'll still probably be out by the time you hear this. But New England, this is your chance, eh? I know there's an opening for that wide receiver position, but T. Higgins, go and snatch him. He's gonna. This is gonna be one of those seasons where he's like, "Yo, respect to those guys," but Chase doesn't do the stuff he does without me taking up a lot of attention on this side of the field. I want my money. And this is when old Billy Boy decides, ah, you guys thought I was dead. And then pulls off the heist of the, what is this, the 2020s. And boy, the boom, bada boom, bada bing. Mac Jones has his number one threat and he looks relevant, competent. I mean, yeah, I am, 
I believe in T. Higgins. So I'm with you on I would love to see T. Higgins in a Patriots uniform. You know who else the Patriots should consider is Mike Evans. I know that oh yeah, I the know that there too for him. I know that Mac doesn't have the greatest deep arm and, and I'm all on him about the deep ball, blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't matter if you're throwing go balls to Mike Evans, you you're gonna oh, yeah. get some touchdowns. And it, I just we know that the Bucks are gonna move on from him. They need to trade him. I just I would be all over that. But you know, I would say that. The person who had the greatest Thursday night was not anyone on the Lions or the Chiefs, but it was T. Higgins because, like, that Chiefs game showed you can't win just with anybody at quarterback. And the Chiefs (laughs) roster right now, remember the 06 Patriots? You might have been too young for this, but it was like Rache Caldwell and, like, Jabbar Gaffney. Oh, my days. You know, and so this is like, you know, and they lost to the Colts in the AFC Championship. They actually scored, like, 30 in that game. But regardless. That was brutal. We still should have won that. We still should have won. They were up 21-6 at halftime. That was, that Mm -hmm. was, they never should have blown that game. But nonetheless, Brady's throwing to not not dudes, just guys. And that's what the Chiefs have right now, and I I think it's going to cost them. Without Kelsey, at least. Without Kelsey. I feel like Kelsey makes everything go for that guy. He absolutely long, something goes wrong. Kelsey, you'll find a way to get open. Absolutely. I just am not counting on like anytime a dude misses a season with the start of a season with injury, I'm not going to sit here and just be like, oh, he's back next week and it's all going to be fine. Because I I just if Kelsey is 100 percent healthy, the game is totally different. That's absolutely correct. I think they're at that point. I do think they're at that point where they're going to have to start monitoring how many snaps they give Kelsey because if you look at his career, he's only ever missed one game in his rookie season. He's been there for every single game. And that's something rare at the tight end position because you look at Gronk. Kelsey hasn't been in the league as long as Gronk. And Kelsey now has played 144 games to Gronk's 143. Yeah. And Gronk's missed how much time? Gronk missed and- seasons. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's very true. So. I really think, you know, he's getting up there in age. They're going to have to start monitoring how much he's playing. You know, some of those hits, they're probably going to start taking this toll on him a little bit more than it has in the past. And that's Especially why if he's getting targeted as much as he has. Remember even the, um, the Derwin James when he hit him with the wrestling spine buster in that Thursday night game. Exactly. Yeah, he's going to feel a lot of those eventually. Exactly. And I, I'm not willing to just sit here and be like, I'm sure he's going to be 100% healthy this season. And if he isn't, mm-hmm. I'm wrong. That's fine. And that, and I think he's supposed to play this week. I think, it, but I'm just saying, like, until I see Kelsey out there looking like Travis Kelsey, I am concerned mm-hmm. if I'm a Chiefs fan because that looked horrible. Right, right. Now, how do you feel about um even uh, Chris Jones? Uh, do you think his presence will improve the defense because there's some folks who believe that the chiefs defense looks very well well uh, they only gave up 21 points so it's not as if you know the lions were just throwing haymaker after haymaker and you know that chris jones is a game changer what i will say is at the end of the game the chiefs needed to stop and they did not get it not even close the lions walk right through them now is chris jones an elite run defender i think he's a very good defender i i think he's a lot more of, you know, kind of get after the quarterback. I don't know that he would have just fixed the run defense at the end of the game for the Chiefs, but there's no way to say that over 60 minutes of football, having Chris Jones out there wouldn't have made things better. And mm-hmm. maybe it wouldn't have, maybe it would have been 17 instead of 21 and they win the game. And it's just one of those things right. where 
there's no way that not having your best defensive player is not a positive, even if, you know, you could say, well, that wasn't technically the issue in game one. The defense did play pretty well. And if yeah. you have an elite defense and you have Patrick Mahomes, you are a Super Bowl contender. There is no question about that. But, you know, Kadarius Tony, like I would have won a bet if he had caught that last pass. That's all I would have needed. And, I and the thing is, is, like, I'm not even mad about that. I'm saying I was watching every single thing they did because I had a Patrick Mahomes yardage bet and just yeah. drop, drop, drop. And you're, and I'm like, that's a dime, that's a dime, that's a dime. And at a certain point, like, they don't even have a number two option at receiver without Kelsey. That's the thing. It's like, it's not like these dudes are like a collection of decent receivers and they just don't have a number one option. Guys. It's, yeah, it's just a bunch of, it's just a bunch of guys. And I think mm-hmm. that could really come back to hurt them. It's not going to hurt them in the regular season. They're still going to win 12, 13 games. But you're not going to get by Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins with this group. Maybe with maybe this group plus Kelsey plus a deadline edition, fine. But I am if I'm a Chiefs fan, I'm concerned after watching that game. Not because they lost, that's whatever, but because mm-hmm. they had a million opportunities to win and they couldn't do the most basic things that Patrick Mahomes does all the goddamn time. And that is oh, what yeah. throws me for you know a little bit of a loop. So I even think um, the Lions, they were missing Jameson Williams because he's suspended for right. gambling. And right. I, I just, I'm not sure what Dan Campbell was really thinking with having Jameer Gibb make a crazy big yarded play and then David Montgomery immediately the next play and he gets stopped for like two, three yards. I, I was a little bit curious, but I feel like the Lions kind of, let them off the hook at certain points in the game too. So that that's that's not wrong. The one thing I want everyone has been ragging on them about the Jameer Gibbs thing. The one thing I will say about that though is that what David Montgomery did really well in this game was he ran north south and he hit the hole immediately. Yeah. And especially at the end of the game when they just needed to get a first down and not do anything more on them. Yeah. And he just was perfect for that. And I do mm. think there were a couple there were a couple of plays where I understood why. I do think that, you know, the Lions spent all offseason hyping Jameer Gibbs. Dude, we're going to use this guy. Well, it so was their first pick that yeah. they had in the draft. And it was, some people argued it was a reach too. So, like, I think obviously folks are going to want it. Like, yo, if you, you draft them that high, how come you're not even going to give him the minutes? You know what I mean? Well, and someone tweeted like, uh, because they said, we're going to use Jameer Gibbs in ways you wouldn't even think. And someone tweeted an image of the bench. And, uh, you know, I, I, or we're going to put him in positions you wouldn't think. And they, and they put him on the bench. But I, I'll say this about the Lions, though. I mean, that's a hell of a win. I don't care how oh, bad yeah. the Chiefs blew it. You go into Arrowhead on the night the Chiefs get their Super Bowl rings and you spoil that. That's a great win. I don't care that the Chiefs still should have won or whatever. Like, you did win. That does matter. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You know, no more. And it was a big win for them. It raises the morale of the city. They're going feeling tough. And hey, we just beat the champs. We can't accomplish anything at this point. I feel like they lost. If they lost in the way that, like, let's say Mahomes converts that bold fourth in, what was it, like 20? Yeah. If they lose that game, oh, that would have been a knife to the heart. I I really think so. Especially after the Vikings blew it against the Bucs. And yeah. then the Packers went and absolutely destroyed the Bears. If oh, this yeah. if this division was week one and yet again everyone had lost except the fucking Packers, like and you're a Lions <laughs> fan, like 
I can't even imagine how they would have felt. But they went in and beat the Super Bowl champs. Oh, yeah. And the Packers beat a Bears team that looked. <laughs> Why don't we talk about it? Because I did see a couple of the highlights and I did see a little bit of the second half. It was fucking horror. I mean, the Bears are just, it just that was just I thought that was going to be a really good game. I thought it was going to be like a low scoring Kind of defensive. I thought the Bears would have a chance, and they got their fucking asses kicked. It might as well have been Rodgers. It just, I mean, dude. And it's not like Jordan. I mean, do you see some of these screenshots from this game? Like Jordan Love is standing in the pocket, and he's got like 10 yards of space around him. He's got enough time to like read the paper. He didn't even have, have a Christian couple, Watson either. He, he, I, it just an embarrassment. All this offseason hype for Chicago. Just all, all this- right. So, talk to me. What did you see with Justin Fields? It's, I feel like you saw the same things that I saw. It's more of the same. Like, mm-hmm. like I, 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 I struggle to see anything different with Justin Fields yesterday or yesterday this week than I saw last year. And it just, I just don't like. It's just, it's. There are it a just, couple plays where it just felt like it was first read run. First yeah. read right. every time, every time like he doesn't, he does not want to read the defense. It's like, mm-hmm. I've got my, I've got my first option. And if I don't like have it. it, I'm taking off. Yes. And the thing is, it's like, it was like, it's like first year Kaepernick when mm. he just wouldn't like, he just wouldn't read it. And the thing is just hit the 49ers, like their offensive scheme was so good that it was like, all right, fuck it. He's going to run. Every time he doesn't have it. So let's just scheme that. Like, we'll scheme him. Well, it was at the time when the read option was still a little brand new to the yes, league. Yes. So and it, he was and able it, to get away with it. And and the thing is, is, Fields is an incredible runner. There's no question about that. But it's like, you can't just, like, step back in the pocket and decide, all right, I'm either going to live here for 45 minutes or I'm going to take off after my first option isn't there. Like, you have to be willing to sit what in the, the pocket point of and actually DJ make more. Because I, I remember there was one play where there was a motion play and they had the, the halfback running out to the flats and DJ Moore ran like a corner or like an out route. And like he got wide open, but he doesn't even wait for the route to develop. He just immediately threw it to the flats. And it's like, yeah, I guess, yeah, you got the completion, but it's the difference between like a one to five yard gain and uh was it like 15 to 20 yards, depending on if DJ Moore makes something happen after the play? It literally looked like, like, yeah, I, it looked like they were like, just like using DJ Moore as a decoy or something. Like he's, I, I remember the play that you're talking about. And I just, I just, honest to God that he wasn't even looking his way. And I just, oh I don't, goodness. I have been pro Justin Fields because like, and he has I, the arm too, doesn't he? I like, know he can do everything. And you saw, like, there were a couple of times last year where, you know, and, and like the Patriots game last year is the one that everyone talks about. And it was true because he did everything right in that game. And I know they were playing. We against, lost that game, didn't we? Yeah, they the Bears beat the shit out of the Patriots. Like they won by like twenty. And it was just they executed everything perfectly. And it felt like, but in that game, it felt like he was like, okay, I really should be running all the time because he really did. And it just. I don't know. I just don't, I don't see him. I have never seen him sit back, look at the field, go through his progressions and just look like he had a command over what was going on. And this game was just more of the same. I expected a step forward this year. I kind of thought it was going to be okay. They've given him weapons. 
you know, you've got you've got uh, DJ Moore. You know, we've they've drafted all, you know Claypool. They've gotten Mooney. all. I mean, you've gotten so many players. Yeah, like mm. Mooney is a dude that people were like, "Oh my God, wait until you see Mooney and this." Like, and he did nothing last year. But then everyone was <laughs> like, "Okay, okay." But this year with DJ Moore, look at what Mooney's going to do because he's not going to be double covered. And it's like, yeah, I, I, it's just I don't I don't think. Unfortunately, I don't. I mean. Because he's an Ohio quarterback, it's okay. But I don't think Justin Fields is an NFL quarterback anymore. I did think so before, but I'm starting to think that it's just not. Regressing back to the mean, huh? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of time to turn it around. But I'm just saying, like, this was Do you think it's the coaching in Chicago? Do you feel like that's a factor, or is it just him? I think that every, every, you have to factor that in. There's no way that you can say, Oh, the situation that he's in has nothing to do with it. And I think that if he mm-hmm. was in a quarter with a quarterback guru, like okay, let's say that he was in Miami with Mike McDaniel. Yes, I think that or they even would, San Fran. Yes, th- these teams would utilize him much better. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I do think so. But there's also something to be said for you're just good at playing this, and you're just right. good at this guys game. like an Andrew Luck type. And well, and it's hard. Some of these dudes in college, it's hard to tell because they're just always throwing to wide mm-hmm. open dudes. And you know, that's kind uh, of even like um you can bring up uh Trevor Lawrence's first year with Urban Meyer, where it's like obviously he wasn't in the best system, but we could still see yo, there's still flashes of the guy who has some type of command over the field. You know what I mean? Every now and then, Trevor makes a, uh, Trevor Lawrence makes a throw that makes you go, "What the fuck!" Like he, oh yeah, he has that ability in him. Even if I've been down on him at times, I can't deny. How dare you speak poorly on Peyton Manning two point <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Oh boy, uh, I think Justin Herbert is Peyton Manning two point no, with that no, with that no, playoff no, joke. No, 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 no. Him and uh, that uh, Joshua guy are on the, they're on the list. Uh, they're on the fraud alert list. Um, I'm waiting. Whoa. I need to see something. Whoa. I need to see something. Hold on. You're putting Herbert, you are putting Herbert on the fraud alert list? Wow. Okay, listen. And Joshua. Wow. Okay. Listen, listen. Wow. How many more times must I see Herbert just not deliver when it matters the most. How many more games must I watch it? Yeah, you're, How ta- many? you're talking about the Dolphins game this weekend. I'm talking about the Dolphins game. I'm talking about the Chiefs game last year. I'm talking about the Jaguars game in the playoffs. I'm talking about the Oakland Raiders game last year. Like, how many more? How many more? I mean, wow. Yeah, I, I felt like I. this is... This is the hottest take delivered on this show since me saying I was out on Trevor Lawrence, who, by the way, is my fantasy quarterback. Wow. So I was wrong. I was wrong about Trevor Lawrence. I, I was wrong. I, I freely acknowledge I was. I Listen. let Urban Meyer's coaching get in the way of my analysis. That's my fault. Um, I respect. But hold on, tell me, Justin did, Herbert. Yes, did, you respect Justin Herbert. It doesn't I sound respect like it. him, but I just need to see something when it matters. That's all. In big games, big uh, big highlight games, I need to see something. And I I get that the blitz was just getting home at you, but on that drive after two of us went up, I need to see something more than three straight sacks. I need yeah. something more. Yeah. I need something more. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, I, I can't. 
I mean, Justin Herbert has the best arm I've ever seen. So it's I, I it's hard to I he has made throws that I legitimately kind of don't believe are like real. <laughs> like there have been a couple of those that I'm like, nah, that didn't happen. That's that's edited. That's not real. I I so I, I so I am surprised to hear fraud. That so you are you are you when you say fraud define this for me because I want to know because you're not saying bust. Definitely not bust. Okay. Talented, but does it can't bring it in when it matters the most. Okay. Shrinks under the bright lights. Okay. So Donovan McNabb. Like I, I am a I am a big time Donovan More. McNabb dude. I always More. was a big time Donovan guy, but it's no you, he you can't deny that he I mean he never delivered, so it's hard to deny that you know he, he got his team to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean he's won playoff games. I mean like, he got I'm his still team waiting to a Super for Bowl. Herbert to win one. And the thing is, they lost it, you know, against prime Bill Belichick and you know Brady ascending. But they could have got to more. Like they, they could have easily gotten to more Super Bowls if we're being real. Well, dude, the year before that. They're on the they're on the fucking precipice of walking into the Super Bowl, and he throws a ninety six yard pick six to Rondé Barber. Like, like I, like I just I don't know. I just that's what I think of with McNabb is so close and yet so far. And I just mm-hmm. I, I and I was always a big McNabb dude. Like I honestly liked him a lot more than I was. But I just it I you know I think that McNabb was a lot like Peyton Manning early in the career, just like so close and can't quite do it in the playoffs. And if he had ever gotten over the hump, I think we look at Donovan McNabb very differently, but yet his career ended weirdly too. So. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't have the longevity of, of some of the guys, but. um, And Josh Allen. Now. Yeah. Turnover machine. Turnover machine. Turnover machine. You get a turnover. You get a turn. Well, not you again. You it's going to just one guy three straight times. What's an acceptable number of interceptions in this current NFL in a 17-game season to you? Well, I'd say probably like 12. Yeah. But then if you have 12, I expect you to have at least in mid-30s in touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think like – I think 12 is – like I remember Brady like in his early years, he would average like 28 and 12 every year. And it was like – you know, that 28 was... touchdowns was a lot for back then. And now it's mm. like, yeah, I expect like I'm looking for like 35 and 12. Basically. They're also running the ball a whole lot more back then, too. So that took away from yeah. the QB touchdowns. Yeah. And I mean, I you know, Allen, he's getting almost, you know, he's turned the ball over almost like 20 times a season when you include fumbles. He has and... the most turnovers since he's been drafted. Wow. I've been telling people. He's gotten better, but this is the same Josh Allen. So you think the MVP hype is nonsense? I think it's overblown. Interesting. I feel like, yeah, they're better. They're more deserving candidates than him, if we're being honest. I mean, this year, it kind of seems like Trevor Lawrence has all of the all the hype, and he really did nothing to dissuade anyone from that at week one. I mean, that was... Um, did you see Calvin Ridley out there? Dude, he looks like a man. He, he looks, looks faster like now beast. than he did before. It's it's <laughs> it's crazy for a dude to like take a year off, switch teams, and then suddenly like 
Yo, hey, when you can play, this is the thing is sometimes people are like, well, he needs time in the new system. When you can play, you can fucking play. It's just when you are a grown ass man who can handle run routes, catch the ball. That's what he did. Randy Moss's first game with the Patriots. I always remember he didn't he didn't play. He didn't practice in the preseason. And everyone was like, oh, he's not going to be able to do it. They didn't, you know, and the Jets defense is so good. I'll never forget nine catches for 181 yards and a touchdown. He fucking (laughs) dominated that team. And, you know, that 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 team is the best team ever. I don't care that they didn't win the Super Bowl. Like Brady's ankle was broken. I don't I don't care. That's the <laughs> so. that's his story. That's what he stick it to. Oh, hey, it's goddamn truth. I've told the story a million times. His ankle was fucking broken. He had surgery in the weeks between the Super Bowl and the, a- in the AFC championship. That's why he threw three picks in the AFC championship. His ankle was broken. It, it, he played on a broken ankle. He had surgery and he played on a broken ankle again and he couldn't. He couldn't do anything. And despite that, he still threw the ball 60 fucking yards at the end of the game to Randy Moss. And it's unbelievable how close they were playing with the dude who legitimately. Samuel just has to catch that. All he's got to do, he walks into the goddamn end zone. I'm still mad about that. And that's why whenever he talks shit about Bill Belichick in the media, I'm like, how about you fucking make a catch? How about Mm -hmm. you make a catch and walk that ball into the end zone Mm -hmm. before you fucking start talking about Mm -hmm. Matthew Judon's contract situation? Get the fuck out of here. Maybe he would have already got his Hall of Fame consideration if he got that interception. No, Asante, he he wins. He he might win. He wins Super Bowl MVP if he takes that one and he wins MVP of that one. And then he's up to three. He's got three rings at that point. It's a whole different game. Speaking of... uh, the Buccaneers, by the way, did you catch any of the the Bucks Vikings? Did you see any of that game at all, highlights wise or anything? I was flipping back and forth with that in the Bengals and Browns, and every time I looked, uh, the Bucks had the ball, and it just seemed like they were controlling the ball in the second half. It looked like I'm pretty sure Kirk like he threw a interception. Was it in the second half? Yeah, Kirk was very Kirk in this game. He had 344 yards, a couple of touchdowns, a back-breaking interception. It was just all. I seen that one to Addison. That was a sweet pass he threw to Addison. That that was that was a bomb. That was. Now I expect him to get a lot more touches because Jeff is definitely gonna draw a lot of doubles. Yeah, I mean, in the second half, Jefferson basically didn't do anything. They the Bucks were able to shut him down, and I there's a, being a lot being made. Baker figured out the Vikings' defensive signals, and he that's why they won basically because he he came in at halftime and he was just like Flores is doing this, so they 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 kind of knew what the Vikings wanted to run, and they were able to get two touchdowns out of it in the second half and win the game. I mean, I you know what's funny? I've been. I've been nicknamed Kirk Cousins. I call him High Noon Kirk because for some reason he always plays well in the 1 p.m. games. And this is how he plays in the second half. So he's not living up to his High Noon Kirk name right now. You know, I mean, there's been a whole lot about are the Vikings going to move on from Kirk Cousins after this season? And a game like this just makes it that much easier. And, you know, Justin Jefferson gets 150 yards in the first half and you still can't win. You know, it just, they only scored 17. I I don't, I don't understand the Vikings. Like they should be better. And it is at a certain point, you know, Mm -hmm. Kirk Cousins is probably the reason, despite the fact that he's done 
so many good things to them. I mean, it's not easy to get a quarterback. You can't just replace him with Justin Herbert. You don't just get to do that. You know, so I understand why they've stuck with him, but at a certain point, they've got to make a move. And, you know, this, this up season, this upcoming season, maybe the time. And for the bucks, I mean, I don't even know what the hell the bucks are doing. Like I, I don't know. They're just trying to tread water with a team. That's not good enough to win the super bowl. It just seems like the Bucks are preparing to let the entire team go this upcoming offseason. They're on the cusp of rebuilding. I think Levante, I don't know how much longer Levante has as a top-tier linebacker in the league. So I think Devin White's being talked about getting traded. I think they're all gone. Like I think this whole team, so, uh, I think this is going to be a fucking 1997 Florida Marlins rebuild where they are just going to tear the whole goddamn thing to the ground. I think everyone's going to be gone. I think they're just going to let Mike Evans walk. I think, like, Godwin might still be there, you know. But, you know, he, he's 28 years old. He's on a long-term contract. You can, you know, I, you know. But I, the thing to me is, you know, if Baker Mayfield plays just well enough to get you out of position to draft a quarterback – what are you even doing? Like, what is even yeah. the point? Like, you should probably be playing the worst quarterback possible. Maybe they thought that was Baker Mayfield. <laughs> but <laughs> when I, he's always got a chip on his shoulder, so dude, he don't want to lose. He's I, playing for his NFL life right now. Dude, I like Baker, honestly. And the Browns fucking screwed him over. They didn't give him an extension after the best season of his career. Then yeah. he played through an injury for them. And then they were like, because oh, he was you're trying not... to get paid. Yeah, and they're like, oh, you're not good enough for us now. It's like, dude... He probably never should have played through the injury. I think his career goes differently if he does it. I'm not saying that Baker is an amazing player and deserves a bunch of money or whatever, but I do mm-hmm. think that the Browns kind of scapegoated him and look at, you know, they're like Baker Mayfield. We needed an adult in the room. We're going to bring in Deshaun Watson, who has 31 cases of sexual assault or whatever. Like, I just, I don't know, man. The whole Deshaun Watson thing is just, I don't know. Um. <laughs> I'm trying to think of how, how dude, the 49ers beat the shit out of the Steelers. That was one game that I, uh, I never got to see that one. I, dude, I mean, there wasn't much to watch. The for, the 49ers did everything. The Steelers did nothing. It Jeez. just, you know, at, at a certain point, you know, I, I think everyone is in agreement that until the Steelers realize that Jalen Warren is better than Najee Harris, you know, <laughs> well, you're not a believer in Najee I'm not I well what I don't even think that well I mean he got six carries Jalen Warren got three technically Najee was better he got a a 24 yard you know run but I mean I it it it, I no I'm not a believer in I what people act like oh it's just the next great Steelers back no he's not like his average has never been that good he's not he's gotten a lot of carries but he's not like he's kind of mentioned as this elite player and he isn't and like I, I, I don't think I'm alone in thinking that Jalen Warren is better than Najee Harris. By the way, I don't think that I'm like I'm inventing that take at all. Like mm. I, I, I don't. I'm not a Najee Harris guy, and I just, I don't. You know, I think you want your most dynamic players to get the ball, and I don't think that Najee Harris is like a really dynamic player. I mean, I, you know, you can. I mean, what is? I don't he watch enough Steelers. I do not watch enough Steelers, so. I well, would not even contest you on that. Well, it's just one of those things where, like, his name recognition is higher than his actual production. Mm. And it's because it's like you have a couple of national TV games where you play decently or you score a couple touchdowns and no yeah. one looks that you're averaging three and a half yards of carry in that game. And I, I don't know. I just 
I don't I don't think much of Najee Harris. I don't think much of the Steelers offense at all. Um wow. I mean, I don't know. I mean you I are, you're not a believer in picket to pickings, are you? Well, okay. The thing about Pickett is like I think that everyone I think that he outperformed what people thought of him last year. And so the expectations are higher than they were. But I think that people forget that everyone expected him not to be an NFL quarterback. And when the Steelers drafted him, a lot of people were like, oh, that's a reach. And so when he then looked like a halfway decent NFL quarterback, then you're starting to be, oh, well, in year two, he's going to take this leap. Maybe. Or maybe he was just a little bit better than you thought. And you kind of, and again, I'm not saying that Pickett can't play. I'm just saying that he didn't have like an elite pedigree coming in. Mm. And a lot of people thought it was a reach that the Steelers picked him. And it's like, oh, he's the local guy, Baba, whatever. Fine. And he ended up being a little bit more mobile than people thought. And he ended up being a little bit better than people thought. And, you know, the Steelers went on a run down the stretch and they had a winning record, blah, blah, blah. I get all of that. But like Tim Tebow also did that. Is Tim Tebow an NFL quarterback? No, he never was. So I'm just, I, I'm, and I'm not saying that that Pickett is Tebow, but I mean, it's just like, you know, in this game, he's 31 of 46 for 232 yards and a touchdown and two picks. You throw the ball 46 times and end up with 232 yards. How is that even possible? How is it even possible? How do you do, like, how do you complete 31 passes for 200 yards? What, how is that even fucking yeah. a thing? Russell Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I uh but yeah, the Steelers just don't look like much. Did you watch the Raiders Broncos game? That one was nope, ugly. did not see that one either. Ugly, ugly game. It just, was ugly, uh, yeah. There's a few, I mean, there's a few moments. The highlights I did see it, they, it didn't look any different. It looked like Sean Payton was just trying to be like, look at me, I'm Sean Payton with the onside kick. Well, uh, dude, opening a game with that just is such a fuck you. Like, okay, yeah. when you did it at halftime of the Super Bowl against the Colts. It was very innovative, and it was a and the, the Colts were not looking for it, and it maybe helped the Saints win the game. When you do oh, yeah. it on the opening kickoff of the season, what are you even doing? Like, what what are you even doing? And what kills me about all this is Sean Payton's taking a no nonsense approach, and we got rid of Russell Wilson's offense, and it's all going to be different now. And what happens? They lose the first they game. Put up 17, the same amount of points. Seventeen sixteen, just like last year, exactly mm-hmm. the same, exactly the goddamn same. Unacceptable. I, I was the biggest Russell Wilson dude. I was one of the few people who was like this, you know, I was like the only Patriots fan who was like, this is a legitimate quarterback. He's done. He's washed. It's over. The Broncos made a horrible investment. It's it's there's nothing. I believe that there was some possibility that that um, Sean Payton could save him. And I don't anymore. That's it's just it's over. That's my week one overreaction on the Broncos is is I'm with you. I'm with you. I've been believing he's not that guy anymore. Been believing. Speaking of not that guy, the Patriots lose to the Eagles because Mac Jones comes up short. And <laughs> Keyshawn Booty needs to learn that this is not college. Come on now, to be fair. Granted, some could make the argument that Mac let him a little too far out, but he he's putting it in a place where only he could catch. And I still feel like he could have come down with two feet yeah i mean and that's not wrong my issue is that mac jones is in this position every fucking time and he can never do after the pick six he was hooping though 
Come on now. You, you got to give it to him. After the pick six, he went on a nice little run after that. Acknowledged. And, and they're back in the game because, you know, he had, you know, it's the whole thing. After you throw the interception, you got to forget it. And you got to go out there and pass like you didn't just throw an interception. And he did that. Gonzalez showed out to uh, the CB. Just a sidebar. I like, I like that pick. I well, like that that, pick. I think I think it's one of those things where everyone was kind of like, you know, this dude can play. Like you're watching him in the preseason and you're watching the camps and everything. And then you see it in a game and it's validated a little bit. And yeah. you're like, okay, this dude can play. You know, it was kind of like the thing like JC Jackson, uh, you know, after a couple of weeks, it was like, oh my God, dude, this guy could really play. Mm-hmm. And and I think I, I think I agree with you completely on that one. He was one of the bright spots. But I just here's my thing on Mac. Okay. Everyone's thing against Tom Brady was, well, why does Tom Brady have to come back all the time? Because he puts him in a hole, blah, blah. But it was never Brady that put the team in a hole. And it was not like the comebacks would be like the, you know, like the 28-3 thing is an aberration. For the most part, it's, you know, the team's winning 12 games every single season and blowing out, you know, the divisional games to the yeah. point to the two to five one and you know, and and and, and all those things. And everyone tries to be like, well, Brady played from behind. That's not a valid argument. The reason that the Patriots are consistently behind because Mac Jones is terrible early in games. He always makes a horrendous, horrendous mistake. He throws three or four passes that he just shouldn't throw. And then, you know, when the defense plays a little bit of a soft zone in the second half, when they're trying not to get anyone injured or whatever, he's able to pick up some touchdowns and get it close again. And then he fucks up the last throw. Like, I just, how many times do we have to watch this? I, okay, like, there. I acknowledge. Fair. I acknowledge that I'm hard fair. on Mac Jones. I acknowledge that I'm hard on Mac Jones. He's better than I. Like, I understand that I am like ridiculously hard on the guy. I understand that. But here's my point. It is now like the third season. I understand last year was a joke. Blah blah. But where is he better? What has he improved on? What is what is he made some pretty nice throws now? He made you. some pretty nice throws in his first season. Yeah, it, this has been the same script for three years now. In in which every well, like game... I said, this is uh, his test season. Like, if he can't, then they're most likely gonna have to move on from. Him. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna lose my fucking mind if they give this guy a contract extension. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna lose my mind. I, I I I okay. Like, yes, he's an NFL quarterback. I will acknowledge. Like, Mac Jones is, but dude, he's Jimmy Garoppolo. He's literally mm. exactly Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, he's Jimmy Garoppolo who throws to his third read sometimes. Does that make you happy? Is that is that <laughs> Is that is that better? Like, I, you know, I just it's. I understand that I understand. Mac's so smart; he can read everything. I've already been on the tank for Caleb campaign, so let that tell you all you need to know. I'm well, on the I'm tank starting, for Caleb. Listen, I haven't watched a ton of USC, but I'm starting to see some really bad stuff about Caleb Williams in terms of like. The, there's some not not that he's bad, but that it's going to be really hard to evaluate whether he's actually good because. Like USC's pockets are so huge, their offensive line is so good. It's like, you know, I, 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 and I, it's kind of the the whole Alabama quarterback thing. It's like, how do you evaluate that? But you know, on the flip side of that, I will say, I really didn't like Jalen Hurts at Alabama, and I loved him at Oklahoma. And then you know, Caleb Williams looked really good at Oklahoma before even going to USC. But I, you know, I, 
I just, the Patriots cannot extend Mac Jones. If they go 16 and one, if they win the next 16 games and Mac Jones wins the MVP because he's absolutely balling, fine. You know, then they can extend him. <laughs> That's it. Like, I, I don't, wow. I'm just, I just don't, uh, dude, he's never going to be the guy who wins the Super Bowl for you. He's going to be the guy that your defense puts in the position to make two throws. He's going to be like, I just, he doesn't eat he, like he's Joe Flacco at best without the arm strength. What are we doing here? Wow. <laughs> like I said, I'm not going to dispute you on Matt because like I said, I'm in the Caleb Williams campaign. You know what? Here's the thing. You want to know the irony of all this shit? The team that should have taken Matt Jones is the fucking 49ers. Because yes, the team that could have said the team that could have used him is 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 Shanahan and and Shanahan wanted to do it and he let them talk him into Trey Lance and I can't believe that John Lynch still has a job. I missed on that one too, dude. That was horrible. That I thought Trey Lance could play. We were all wrong. Um, he tricked everybody, dude. He did that one season. I mean, dude, the thing is, it's like it's one of those things you like you watch him and it's like you're like, oh my god, dude, he can make he every throw. Enough. He didn't play enough. Yeah, you just had to play enough. And the COVID thing and then the injuries, it just it doesn't happen. Yeah. I who I'm, knows he might be better in Dallas. We never was, know. <laughs> I don't think he's gonna get a chance to play, man. Cowboys look fucking good. My Dak god. Prescott. 40 to nothing, bro. Yep. Oh my god. Daniel Jones is who I thought he was. His oh yeah. Success is reliant on Saquon. Oh yeah. 40 million dollars a year. They paid this dude. The fl- I, I, yo, I, man, that that's a Pat Bev trick y'all situation. Oh, I've been telling people Pat Bev be tricking y'all. Yeah, sorry, my mic went dead there for a second. Yeah, I, it's been, it's been a, that's a Pat Bev been tricking y'all situation if I've ever seen one. I just can't. I, I, yo, that's I, I mean, I love to see it happen to the Giants, obviously. Like, I'm so happy they extended Daniel Jones. Don't get me wrong. Like, that's the best. Oh, but yeah. At the same of, time. Speaking of New York, we got to talk about it. I mean, we haven't talked about it. We need to talk about it. I mean, I, listen, even I, – well, I don't feel bad. I'll never feel bad. <laughs> Nothing in the world could ever make me feel bad for Jets fans. Not a single goddamn thing in the world <laughs> could make me feel bad for Jets fans. I just will say – this is the most Jets thing that could ever happen. Of oh, course. Yeah. Of course, they spend their now second round pick because, you know, it was a conditional pick. But, of course, they go out of their way. They build everything. They get all of Rodgers' guys. Of course, he tears his Achilles on the first drive. Of course. I I don't feel Brutal. bad for them because I can't feel bad for Jets fans. It's not in my DNA. But I just – what a shitty situation, right? Mm-hmm. I mean – Brutal. Rodgers On the fourth play. You think Rodgers is just done? Yes. He's 40 in a couple of months. By the time he comes back, he'll be closing in on 41. And it is the Achilles entry, which how many people look the same after they come back? Yeah. And mobility was a big thing with him and what made him Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. My God, man. Yeah. I, boy. That just sucks. That's not the way you want to end your career, you know? But, right. you know, it's, it's, man, I, I, this is so, it's just so weird because, like, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be around after he retires. Like, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be like, 
in the public spot. Like, I, I don't think he's going to have the Rodgers cast on Monday Night Football. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think nah, this dude's going to disappear. I think he's disappear. just going to disappear. Definitely. Yeah, I think he's going to go to the woods. And it's just going to be really strange. Like, he's going to, you know, have had back-to-back MVPs, kind of a weird last season with the Packers. He tears his Achilles, and then he's just going to be gone. It's just like, it's kind of a really quick fall from grace for, for mm, is, is he a top three Quarterback all time, top five quarterback all time. Top five. I mean, he's yeah. only got one Super Bowl, so it's hard to. He's, he's off that... the strength of the MVPs, the yeah. touchdown, the interception ratio, pass rating. He's in that like kind of weird grouping. Like he's definitely better than Drew Brees. Off, off talent, he's there yeah. off of talent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like he's definitely better than Drew Brees talent wise, but like production wise, they're basically kind of the same. In well, terms Drew Brees of like, doesn't have the MVPs or the first team all pros. That's that's true, but he's got you know the same number of Super Bowls. Yeah, he's got more passing yards. Yeah, he's got more touchdowns. I he's think second, he's second behind Brady. But yeah, so I mean, I I you know, I and obviously I you know Brady's number one in my book, but I'm just saying, oh like, Brady, you know, it's just. Uh, it's a weird, quick fall from grace for Rod. It's just over, you know. It's weird to see how it goes, but I did. The thing is, he did say like I'll be back, which I thought was interesting. Like, uh, you know, he didn't say I'm coming back next season. But he said like I'll, you know, in his like little cryptic post, he said like you know I'll be back stronger or something. But that could just be for his golf career. <laughs> yeah, or you know whatever the football version of slam ball is. Um, this is a horrendous, embarrassing loss for the Bills. That I like the like I like the Josh Allen fraud thing. Like I think I think you're right that he's a fraud to the whole MVP thing. But this game is this is an unacceptable loss to me. Like I like I'm not saying Sean McDermott should be on the hot seat or that they should fire their GM or whatever Brandon Bean. But but they, they this is they've got to do something. Oh yeah. What what are you gonna like? You can't just the bills are kind of at the point where they're sort of trotting out the same group every year. They're like, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to do the same thing this time. It'll work this time. It'll work. And I mean, they made more changes on their defense this year, but it's like, you don't have a number two weapon. You still don't really have a running game. Although they're running. I think game they might better. as well. I think they're going to have to trade digs while his stock is high. At wow. this point. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Rebuild a new, really? a new core, new core, everything. I really? Think. I think that's where it's trending. Wow. I think that's where it's trending. Dude, I'm on the other side. I'm like, call the Bengals, offer all the picks for T. Higgins. I'm like, if I was the Bills, I would be trying to like load it up because I mean, it's open. Like, there's no guarantee. I don't think the Bengals would do a deal with the Bills, probably, especially T. Higgins. Probably not. But what if they had an opportunity to rob them blind? You never know. I mean, things happen. Well, but there's other receivers. The deal would have to be right. Okay, Mike Evans. Then you know, for, forget that's fine. T. Higgins won't go you upgrade good. from Gabe Davis. Yeah, I mean, put. I mean, get Mike Mike Evans catching deep balls from Josh Allen. I'm interested in this. I mean, there's no, you know, there's no way to very you know, true. Mike Evans can still win on. Go- I don't care that he's dirty or whatever. He still wins deep balls. He's still got incredible hands. Mm-hmm. He's still got good deep field speed. Except when he's facing Marshawn Lattimore. Except when he's facing Marshawn Lattimore. He's still got good deep field speed. He's not like a burner or anything, but 
you know, he deceptively can, it, fast. Right. Yeah. It's one of those dudes where it takes him a minute, but once he's going, he's getting behind the defender still. Because, let's be real. How how big of a difference is four three to four five? It's milliseconds. I think it only matters on certain plays. I mean, I, I think just think, I think there are I think that and I think that when you have a guy like Mike Evans who's so big that he can go up and win in one on one anyway, I think it matters a lot less. Like Mike Evans has never won because of his speed. His catch radius. Yeah, it's never been because of speed. I'm just saying that it's not that like he's lost a step and he can't beat anyone anymore. He still gets downfield separation. His touchdown from Baker in this game was sick. I mean, he's still on pace to get his thousand yards this year. So I just, I don't, you know, the streak I, lives on. I want that streak, dude. I that honest to God, like that's what I'm rooting for this year more than anything. I want Mike Evans to get a thousand yards again. Like that's what I'm like. I'm like, oh, that's why I'm like watching Baker with this like sick interest because I'm like, you got to get my man. You can't be the reason he loses it because he kept it with Jameis throwing thirty picks. Listen, once Mike Evans won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady, then walked out of a game wearing a Steve Nash Suns jersey, he had my heart forever. So, like, I will be Mike Evans' ride or die till the end. So, unless he gets traded to the Jets, then it's over. Then oh, it, it, yeah. there's there's only one thing. There's always <laughs> there's only one thing. But uh, anything else in Week One? I guess the, the Chargers, the Dolphins Chargers game was really the only game that kind of maybe lived up to the shootout hype. I mean, I guess the Patriots yeah. Eagles game was a bit of a shootout in terms of, you know, Mac Jones bringing the Patriots back. They got a fumble on the last couple of drives too. So they did make it exciting a little bit. Yeah. I mean, so there were a couple of games, but for the most part, kind of a weird week one. Um, You know, again, I do think the most interesting week four. Yeah. The most interesting thing to me about this is that the doll is it to a, Tua looks good, man. I, I like. I know that everyone's concerned about the injuries, but like, he's got you no know, same weapons he's had in college. Almost, he's yeah. I mean, he's balling, dude. Tyree Kill looks. I mean, the connection between those two is awesome. And Waddle. Have and you seen? <laughs> have you seen all the the judo stuff that that Tyree that uh, that Tua has done? Yeah, learned how to fall, embrace yeah. his fall, dude, and he looks so, a little bigger too. So yeah. But some of those dives, those rolls off of these hits, he really does look like he's taking the hit way better. Like I honestly think mm-hmm. I honestly think this might work. Like I know that it's one of those things where it's like, well, this season I'm gonna, you know, and concussions are concerning to everyone, but man, so the way he's taking those hits, he really does look a lot cleaner out of this pocket. Like I think the Dolphins are a contender this year. Like it I also really it also makes you appreciate brady's master mastery of pocket presence yes because the way this dude used to tap dance around the pocket and just weave through pressure amazing the most underrated part of tom brady's career is his footwork and his mobility in the pocket and i don't mean running around but i mean the fact that he was never a statue that he was always able to to tap dance, like you said, like literally he was on his toes moving around in the pocket at age 45, like still, you know, able to avoid the hits. And it's something that, yeah. And it's something that you just, you know, that truly does like being an elite quarterback is not about the strongest arm, the most accurate arm. It is, it is really about those things. It's about all those tiny little details. And I think Tua has the ability to do that. 
I, I believe in Tua. Like, I, I do. And despite the fact that he's a fucking idiot who thinks The Sound of Freedom was a good movie and not propaganda bullshit, despite the fact that he's a moron personally, apparently, as a quarterback, I think that, you know, he. I really do believe in what the Dolphins are doing. They got to tighten up that defense. The fact that a Fangio defense gave up 34 is something else, but it's Kellen Moore. The Chargers had all offseason to plan for that game. You know, I'm not going to – I think – as much as I hate to say it, I think that the Dolphins are like a real contender this year, like for real. Ramsey's not even back yet, so they'll they will be getting better on the defensive side too. Yeah, if he can reach anything like his like his prime form, mm-hmm. um, you know that I think that um, th- that team's going to be scary. Um, considering week two, Vikings Eagles tomorrow night. Is there anything in particular you'll be looking for on that one? I expect Hurts to hoop. I'm not a believer in that defense on the Vikings. Uh, we will be looking to see how that secondary handles Addison and Jefferson, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the one thing is the Vikings do. If if Addison is as and good Hawkinson. as he looked. In, yeah, that's true. If Addison is as good as he looked in week one, though, like if that's a real legitimate thing, then even with Kirk Cousins, the Vikings offense is going to be terrifying because when you've got a dude like that playing off Justin Jefferson, like suddenly your third best corner is covering this deep threat burner, dude. Like that's not good. And oh, yeah. Hawkinson, again, like you said, wide Find open the over open the middle. Spots. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if they can, they're going to have to, you know, Kirk's got to do it. But, I, you know, that, that offense can be really good. You know, I kind of was wondering – I mean, I think everyone thinks this every year, but for the Eagles, I was wondering if there would be like a Super Bowl hangover. Um, you know, that loss was just so like. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't think there will be. I, I just think, think so. they'll have a hard time winning games, but I don't think we'll look at it as a hangover. Just considering who the, they're going to be facing the Niners, they're going to be facing those Cowboys, they're going to be facing the Commanders. So. I think they're going to have to earn a lot more of these wins, especially with a first place schedule. But I to say hangover, I wouldn't say that. I think it's a double digit win team, no matter what, like even mm. with all the changes on defense, like Jalen hurts. I just, I just remember. And I remember talking to you about this. I just remember his first year at Oklahoma. I just like, you know, this dude is looking different now. And I just, I loved his downfield ball and he's just continued to get better and better and better. And, you know, I just wondered, it's like you're coming off the Super Bowl loss. Jalen Hurts gets the massive contract. Sometimes there's a little bit of complacency there. And the next season is you come in and you're on the big dog on campus and, you know, and stuff happens. But they look good. The defense, I think the biggest everyone questions. He's a high character guy. He is. He's, He's such a hard worker. And, you know, the thing is, is that I think everyone was questioning the defense. They had a lot more changeover there. And it honestly looked good. Like the defense looked good. It's not going to look as good as it did last year, but you know, I, I think it looked good. And I, you know, I think, yeah, I expect the Eagles to win this game and take it to two and oh, and then I expect the Vikings to enter crisis mode. I think if they start zero and two, you know, with Kirk not playing, you know, well, I think it's going to, you know, maybe this was the plan all along was for him to fuck it up and they could just more easily move on from him. They didn't extend him, but I, you know, I, I, I hate to call a week two game a must-win game, but I say this is a must-win game for the Vikings. Oh, yeah. You can't lose this game. Even though it's the Eagles, and even though it's in Philadelphia, if upset. they saw the 0-2, yeah, you got to pull this one off because definitely it's just going to set your season off on, especially like the Packers are playing the Falcons. And if you're suddenly two games behind 
a Packers team that wasn't even supposed to be, you know, like I, that, that would be really bad. Um, but you know, what are you going to do? The Patriots this week, I expect to get stopped on Sunday night football. Unfortunately, um, I think they'll make it interesting. I hope so. Listen, this At is, some point. this is, this is the game. Are we in Miami? It's in new England. Okay. We got a chance. This is, this is the game though. This is a yes. Sunday night game. This is a nationally televised duel. That could change a lot of the what's this, the word I'm looking for? Minds. Yes. Opinions. <laughs> yes, a lot of opinions in this game. This is this is the legacy game for Mac Jones. Like oh, yeah. I know I know that I know that it's stupid to shape opinions on one game, but it's just a fact that nationally televised games really do shape narratives. Mm-hmm. And and uh, this everyone's game, watching. Yep. And it's everyone in the country watches Sunday night football and they got to win this game. You can't lose this game. And Mac Jones needs to play well. He can't. It, this can't be one of those things where he throws two picks and he piles up 300 yards and a touchdown. But it's really not. He's got to throw three touchdowns, no picks. He needs to play a good game. Yes. I'm. I'm I, yes. If if that happens, I will come on here next week and I will eat crow. I will do it. I will absolutely do it. But I fully expect. I don't want but I fully expect the Dolphins to beat the shit out of the Patriots. I don't want that. I do not want it. I want the Patriots. I think that people think I don't like the Patriots anymore, and that's not the case. Like, I just don't like any of the moves. He just accepts that we're a mill of the pack team. That's what we are right now. And I I just don't like the moves that they made. I don't don't agree with We missed on offensive players in the draft, too, a lot. Dude, some of the choices that Bill has made are so far beyond except anyone else would have been fired, but it's Bill – and you know, I yeah, okay. I've asked you this before, but I'll ask you it again because it's worthy. Do you think he's on the hot seat? Like, do you believe this stuff? Like, if the Patriots win six games this year, is I it think conceivable? It, it, it could be, but I, I honestly think he's just trying to get to that all-time wins record. I feel like that's where he's trying to get to. That's what it feels like. So and you know, it's probably gonna take him at least two seasons. Do you think? Take? Do you think he would coach anywhere else now? No, I don't. No, no, I don't. Yeah, I, I think don't. this is the end of the road for him. Yeah, New would, England or retirement. It would just be so weird. But I just like if if New England wins six games this year, do you think they would kind of do the? You're retiring. Please come upstairs and accept an advisor role. You know what I'm saying? Like, like kind of like the Bucks did to Bruce Arians when Brady got sick of his bullshit. Like, you know what it I mean? Could like, very well be one of those. Like I kind of wonder, like, like I kind of just wonder, but like, because like he handpicked Mac Jones, he He picked Mac Jones over Tom Brady. There's no other way to, there's no other way to say that he moved on from Tom Brady. He picked, well, okay. He, I mean, in the interim season, obviously Cam Newton was the quarterback, but I'm saying Mm -hmm. like in terms of long-term for the next few years, he decided that he wanted someone else. And yeah. eventually that became Mac Jones and that was wrong. And Tom Brady won a Super Bowl and the Patriots have floundered ever since. And I just don't, anyone else would be fired. Yeah. Anyone else would be fired. The Patriots probably would have won two more Super Bowls if Tom stayed. So like, I, because he was still, he was still Tom Brady last year. The Bucks she were just still terrible. didn't want those problems with us. God no matter what right they did. tell you. And I'm just saying, I just think it's conceivable if the Patriots go six and 11 this year, that Kraft is just going to say, look, I want to find my next guy. I want to find my new Bill Belichick. And you know what? 
somebody can young. I, can I tell you 20 more years? Can I tell you who I think it might be? Oh, Sean McVay. I know Spicy. that that's crazy. I know that that's Spicy. crazy because he just signed the extension, blah, blah, blah. But number one, I don't know that it's working. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe, they, I mean, they look good this week, maybe, but long-term, I don't know that the Stafford thing works. I, it kind of seems. I think seemed... he's done. I think he used up whatever sauce he yeah. had in the Super Bowl. And McVay almost stepped away. I could just see a scenario in which, like, I don't think he necessarily loves like Los Angeles and like the whole Hollywood. It kind of seems like, yeah, yeah. it kind of seems, and I could, I could see a place where it's literally just football is the only thing and you're taking over for one of the all time. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that the Rams would even allow it. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that I would not be shocked if Bob Kraft, the first thing he did was called Sean McVay and said, you're going to run, you're going to have all the power. You get to pick all the players you want. Not yeah. no no less need trading all your picks. You do whatever you want, and I just kind of wonder. I just kind of wonder because I I agree with you. I think it would be someone young. I don't think that. I don't think it would be Dan Quinn. You know, I, I don't think that it would be a retread. I don't think it would be. You know, not that Sean Payton is available, but I don't think it would be that guy. I mm -hmm. think it would be somebody who he would Fresh. think that might theoretically be. Now, the fact that McVeigh almost retired, maybe that's not. But I just, you call that dude and you're like, how would you like to take over for Bill Belichick? And that's just a new conversation. That's all I'm saying. I don't hey. have, I have no reason to believe that's true. Maybe I'm just wishing <laughs> it. I'm just hoping for it. Hey, but, man, if you're right, we can come back to this episode, record on September 13th, there you go. 2023. There you go. If McVeigh gets hired by the Patriots, I get all the points in the world on that one. <laughs> that's the exactly. that's, that's the the ultra prediction. Um, what anything else in week two that like stood out to you or that you're looking for? Obviously, Chiefs Jags because that's, that's a big one. You know, I, I was mean, looking at the the score sheet. Uh, Bengals Ravens, another one. Lamar versus the uh, Barrel. Yeah, I mean, Lamar didn't even really have to do anything in week one. Like the Ravens just walk through um i mean yeah, yeah that, well they're gonna have to guard jamar this week so yeah and they it, haven't had a good time guarding him before so yeah that that's gonna be a hell of a game but it's definitely gonna be interesting to see like again with the Bengals, it's not a must win if they fell to zero and two i wouldn't i would expect them to just be back to two and two shortly after but I, it's gonna be interesting to see like in in a scenario in which burrow plays poorly again and the whole team the offense just plays poorly again there's gonna be discussion of you know, the fact that Burrow has missed three off seasons in a row, the fact that they don't take the preseason seriously at all. Mm -hmm. You know, there's going to be discussion of those things, whether again, whether it matters with the it Bengals, won't matter, but they will talk yeah. about it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it'll matter with them, but they, I, dude, what happens to the chiefs if they lose though? Like, let's say that the Jags win that game. Like what happens? I mean, it's in well, Jacksonville. It's typical, you know, hitting the wall after winning a Super Bowl. That's what they'll say. But don't you think the Chiefs go to DEFCON 1 at that point? Like, like uh, the, if the Chiefs are 0-2, like, I don't, I mean, I, I like, they're going to do something. Like, I, I don't think that they'll just They might make there. a move. They yeah, might I, make a move. I don't think that they'll sit there and do nothing. Like, no, I, they definitely I, might make a move. Because, especially if, like, dude, can you even play Kadarius Tony ever again? Like, that game was so horrible. Like, are you a believer in, like, dude, I already would have cut that motherfucker. I'm not even lying. 
Are you? He earned some equity with the the way he played in the Super Bowl. I personally believe that's fair. And Mahomes did give him the stamp of approval in the post game. Yeah, I I just I have never in my life. That's the worst game I've ever seen a receiver play. I, I don't <laughs> I don't think it's the question. I mean that's obvious. I just I. I mean, maybe cutting him is too strong, but I'm saying like, right, here's the thing. I said I would have cut Rashad White last year after the Buck after he like fumbled, and like the Bucks came into this year like they're like, oh, Rashad White's gonna be. He was terrible. He he just sometimes you can tell that a dude doesn't have it. And I mean, the, yeah. the Giants gave up on Kadarius Tony literally immediately. And I don't know, man. I just if I'm the Chiefs, I am like, I have already put in calls about Mike Evans about about. I mean, I, they probably can't also get on the. um the T Higgins, there's no way, you know, the, they wouldn't the, be able to afford him. Well, and the Bengals would never do it. Like you said, yeah, that too. but, but just any, any, you know, I would have been in on the, the Calvin Ridley thing you mm-hmm. know, before he got traded to Jacksonville. Like I just, the chiefs need better receivers. And I just, I don't know, man. Like I, maybe try we'll to get see. Michael Pittman from the Colts. Cause it doesn't seem like Anthony Richardson likes him. I don't know. Um, they, he needs all the help he can get. That's that's what I'm saying. For well, that the both Mahomes and Richardson do need, I guess. So, heading into you know, as we go into week two, do you have any? Is there any like any hot takes that you've got, or anything that you saw in week one that like you're just like I'm, you know, like I'm already out on this team this season or anything like that? Like, do you have any good week one overreactions? I only got one. I'm going to say that Baker puts up 400 yards on the Bears. Damn, dude. Wow. 400 yards <laughs> on the Bears. Yes. Damn, dude. Woo. That says a lot more about the Bears than it does Baker, I think. I mean, I know that Baker's capable of that, but my God, dude. Wow. You, uh, that's one. Yeah. That's a take, baby. That's a take. I, yeah, I'm, uh, I, listen, I think the Bucks are going to win that game. I agree. I, I'm aren't no are. I think they oh, will. Are. I, I think they are. will win yeah. that game. I think that I think that the Bears. You know, I don't know that they necessarily needed to take C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. You know, I think that mm-hmm. the you know right now the jury's obviously out on those dudes, and I'm not going to hammer them too hard because they got so much. They needed so many assets. And mm-hmm. they got so much for that number one overall pick. You got multiple picks. You got DJ Moore. If you suck this year, it's no big deal. You know, DJ Moore is going to be 29 next year. Like you still have a good team and you can just bring in your new quarterback. So if this ends up being we tank for Caleb Williams or whatever it is, because Justin Fields isn't it, I don't think, you know, Robert Mace has said on his podcast the worst thing that could happen for the bears would be not knowing what to do with Justin Fields, whether you should extend him or not. Like it's actually better for the bears if he's terrible, because at least then, you know, and I think that that's where we're at with Justin Fields. Like, I think it's over, man. Like I think that this week is going to be so bad. I think that the the Buccaneers are a team that should not be two and O and they're going to get to two and O and the questions are just going to pop up and everything's going to be bad for the bears. And I don't know, like, I'm with you, man. I think this, I think that game is low key a big game this week because, like, like, 
like Matt Eberflus is going to start to be questioned as a coach. And like, I, and I know it's only his second season, but when you lose all the time, people start to ask questions and it mm-hmm. just, you know, I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying like, because the bears are in such a deep hole, but man, I don't know. I, you know, the other thing I'm interested in this week is the, the 49ers Rams game, just because like you said, like, I want to know if Stafford really has the juice. Like I want to yeah. know if something's going on there or if that was just kind of a fool's gold. We had all summer to plan thing. And I want to see if they're back because if the 49ers kick their ass, then, you know. Indeed. So, I, you know, I want to see that. And, I mean, Jets-Cowboys would have been a great game. Now it's just nothing. Well, I still think there's something to be told here. Let's see how Dak performs against a top five defense. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, look for for the cow. I mean, this could easily be a ten or thirteen to three type of game. Yeah, that that, that that's fair. I mean, if if Dak can hang forty again, if Dak hangs forty on the Jets, the MVP talk will start for him. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's definitely true. Um, it is interesting, you know, the Cowboys having a new offensive coordinator. Like, you know, it, again, I'm not going to overreact to anything with the Cowboys in Week One because we know how this goes with them. You know, they that, always do this, right? Yeah, the first four weeks it's forty a game, and then everything falls apart. So if <laughs> if if the Cowboys are ten and zero, I'm listening. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I need I need that. I need the Cowboys to be like ten and zero. I need yeah. I need them to to show that this is for real because I'm just not going to buy it until it is. And the other thing is the Lions Seahawks game. If the Lions go to two and zero, and you know it's in it's in Detroit, everything is set up here. You just beat the Chiefs, Geno and and the Seahawks didn't look that good in Week One. Everything is set up here. If the Lions get to two and zero and have a convincing win against the Seahawks, like that's gonna start to that's gonna start to say something. And I'm gonna be really interested to watch the Jared Goff contract situation this year because he was a Pro Bowler last year, and if they win double digit games again. Can you really just be like, all right, we'll just move on from Jared Goff and we'll find someone else? Like, if they make the playoffs this year, do you not have to extend Jared Goff, or do you not? Are you just like a yeah? Jared, I, mean, I think so. You have to extend him, right? Like, if you if you make the playoffs, you literally have to. So I, you know, yeah. I think the so that's you know this that's the stuff I'm watching this week. I mean, I'll have everything on. You know, I have my eight screens. Chargers Titans will be interesting just to see. Bills Raiders, you know, how do the the um the bills bounce back packers falcons will be interesting just to see if the jordan love thing is real or was it? i want to see what ritter does in that game yeah yeah i mean ritter didn't look so great in the first game he had his moments but it was kind of it was it was i need to see something from kyle pitts that's for sure dude i know i that's what that one is starting to but it's also like it's situational it's like like where where would kyle pitts be in the chief system you know like there's so many things like so, but I definitely, the Packers is, are interesting to me too, because it's one thing for Jordan Love to do it in week one when they've had all summer to scheme against a horrible Bears team. I know the Falcons aren't elite on defense or whatever, but I need to see it from Jordan Love more than one week. All these Packers mm-hmm. fans are like, we got a new one. We got our next elite Hall of Fame quarterback, Packers, what's up? Got to see it for more than one week. Got to see it against teams that aren't the Bears. I mean, that's just, you know, that that's where I'm at on that one. So For sure, for sure. We'll see. The Packers, they may have struck it with multiple QBs that could represent them as an organization. You go from Bart Starr to Brett to Aaron Rodgers and now potentially Jordan Love. Let me ask you a question. Mm. Let's say that Jordan Love hits. Is it possible 
that the Packers are on to something when they say that no quarterback should be starting right away. Yeah. Because the Packers have really never, like even Brett Favre came from another team. You know, he yeah. sat a little bit. Like I think Wolf, some guy, Ron Wolf or something. Sitting helps him out. Look at how it helped Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, Mahomes sat for his first year. Philip Rivers sat two years behind Drew Brees. Tom Brady sat a year behind Drew Bledsoe. I just kind of wonder, Peyton Manning did not say. Avoid the growing pains. Yeah. Avoid the growing pains. Sometimes I wonder there if there is something to be said for letting guys sit for a couple years. And if Jordan Love really becomes a, you know, a pro bowler or, you know, perennial MVP candidate type, I really think that there's something to be I think that because the Packers have done that every time and because they yeah. never had a quarterback controversy, I'm willing to acknowledge that there really might be something to sitting your first and second year quarterbacks and maybe letting them get to year three before you play them. Like I, maybe, I don't know. I, it, I, Jordan Love's got to do it though. Jordan Love's got to sure. be, if they go, th- if they go 13 and four, I'm having this discussion. If they go nine and eight, I'm not. So it's, it's on Jordan Love. Are you, are the, do the Packers have a secret sauce or not? It's up to you, sir. So, <laughs> Thank you, sir, for joining us. It is for good sure, to be for back. Sure. We will have you on again soon because I'm going to be doing the seasons are back, so I'm I'm on it again. I took my summer off. It. I enjoyed my time with my son. Now it's back to being a horrible father and focusing on myself. So, we'll we'll get you on again soon. We'll talk about you know whatever, and uh, have me on overtime again soon. I'll, yes, I promise, sir. We'll I promise, have you on. I promise we'll not to you. swear. I promise. I'll be very <laughs> nice. We love you regardless, though. Appreciate you for having me on. Overtime with B&T. Where can everyone get it? Everywhere, right? Overtime TBD now. We are officially TBD. TBD. We changed up. We're now included. Dave, he's a full-time member. We're on all streaming software planet. And I I knew that. And I was like, say Overtime TBD. I did this. I had It's okay. It's okay. Our logo still says B&T. So... (laughs) It's that, but I had a friend. We're working on, through it. We're working I had a friend on, and his podcast was called Friends with Boredom. And in my head, I was like, "Don't say Friends with Benefits. Don't say Friends." With, and then I, and then I was <laughs> like, "From the it. Friends with Benefits podcast." <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just the worst about introducing Overtime TVD yes, on sir. all the podcast networks. Check it out. We love you. We appreciate having you on, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Yes, sir. And that is the Blunt Doctor Show. For this September 13th, 2023, it is good to be back. I am thrilled to be back. I am ready to take things on. I am ready to tackle the world. I'm ready to tackle the issues. I'm ready to tackle sports. I am a flawed human. I am a broken person. I am someone who can't always commit to submitting projects on time and who procrastinates. There are things I do wrong. There are mistakes that I make, but you know what? I'm going to come back here, I'm going to own them, and I'm going to work for the next day to be the best damn person that I can be. That's all that you can do as a person, and that's all that I can do as a person. That's all I'm going to try to do is be better tomorrow than I was today. I hope that that resonates with everyone. Thank you for coming back. Let's make this the best fucking season of the Blunt Doctor Show ever. Look out for episode 100. It's going to be really special to me. I hope that you enjoy it. Peace.